you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Bailey and everybody else takes a nasty hit. Carr jumps to his feet. And Donald Penn said, I didn't like the way you treated my quarterback. Marshawn Lynch actually got his hands on an official. Oh, boy. He's going to get tossed, I bet. Lynch's night is over. Here we go, third and 12. Smith unloads it, and it's caught off the deflection by Wilson for the touchdown. Did that just happen? One more time to decide. And now for the win. Hondo to snap it to King. To Vecchio. It all rides. my goodness oh my goodness what a game Derek Carr's touchdown pass to Michael Crabtree with no time on the clock capping a 85 yard drive in the final two minutes and 25 seconds a drive that included multiple crazy insane things happening (laughs) Uh, basically thinking the game was over like four separate times uh, in the last five minutes, one of the craziest games I've ever seen. Dan Hans is here, along with Greg Rosenthal, the Around the NFL podcast. We're going to get to all of the Week 7 games, uh, previewing them uh, in a moment. But first, got to talk about this game, Greg, a game the Oakland Raiders desperately needed, and they may have saved their season against the Chiefs uh, with this 31-30 to win. And it is a game that we will all remember for a very long time. I feel like the season started tonight. I mean, this was like the game that felt like when that drive started, and I wasn't the only one to make the point. I, I wrote, I think feels like the biggest drive of the whole season for any team because this is a team that we expected to be in the mix at the end of the year, and they needed to go make that drive to save this game. And it was a crazy 59 minutes and 30 seconds yes. leading up into those last plays. But ultimately, I think all we're going to remember years from now, as you mentioned, are those five plays. I mean, the Raiders won it three different times. They won it twice and celebrated (laughs) it. And the Chiefs won it twice that got turned over by penalties, both of which I think were good calls. But that I've never seen an ending like that. Not sure we ever will. Uh, Yes, there were seven lead changes in this game. So most all year, you know, so yeah, before the game ended uh, in that dramatic fashion with the touchdown and then the point after the, the game had already swung six different times. And then there were real quickly, we have to go through this. There were four separate Uh, game-turning moments. So they go down the field, including converting a fourth and long near midfield. Uh, They run a very strange, I don't know if it was a busted play or the same typical uh, kind of route twice where they bunch two receivers and then kind of threw almost like a Hail Mary. Carr puts it on the money uh, and Jared Cook brings it in. It looks like they won the game. He's marked down correctly at the half-yard line upon review. Uh, next play. Uh, after- and that play, just for a second, I mean, Cook, that was an unbelievable catch. 
It seems like Cook only makes like season-saving yeah. catches. He did it for the Packers to beat the Cowboys. He did it on that fourth and eleven uh, yep. midway through this, that drive, which kept their season going. And then this was Justin a remarkable play that was correctly, you know, marked down at the half yard line, as you mentioned. And then suddenly there's only eight seconds left. Right. In the game. And there was eighteen, and then it gets marked down the ten-second runoff because Oakland didn't have any timeouts. Imagine if they got Detroit lioned in that spot; it would have been <laughs> horrible. Next play. Uh, Derek Carr targets Michael Crabtree. Game-winning touchdown again. No! It's ruled offensive pass interference. Now they're pushed back to the 11, and you think, oh, now they're screwed. They run another play with no time on the clock. Uh, Incomplete. uh, uh, Caught out of bounds in the back of the end zone. No defensive holding. The game goes on. They run another untimed play. Again, an incomplete pass. This one goes goes through Jared, Jared Cook's hands, but another defensive holding call. And then finally... Derek Carr takes the snap, um, moves to his left, and puts a dart right on the money to Crabtree, who crashes down in the front corner of the end zone. A perfect throw and a great catch. Uh, And then Tavecchio hits the extra point, which is a little close for comfort. Uh, Game over, 31-30. And the Raiders, uh, we talked about this, Greg, uh, going into this game, how important this game is. They're 3-4 and now. The KC Chiefs are still okay. They were 5-0. Now they're 5-2. I think they'll Yeah, but they could have put the Raiders away. And now, you know. They'll survive this, but the Raiders needed this, and they got it, and I'm really impressed. I I am. It's a devastating loss for the Chiefs. I, I think there's no... Too, too we're so jazzed up right now. I, I am. And the good thing is all those calls were correct. Certainly the ones against the Chiefs were correct. I think the Crabtree call, maybe they should have won the game, but it would have you know, ended some drama even earlier. So I'm glad. And Derek Carr made a really interesting point on the NFL Network set after the game that they had practiced that play over and over, the two of them, all week, mm-hmm. except it was a sprint right. But you know who's on the right side? Of the Chiefs defense, Marcus Peters, who they did go to a couple plays before, but that's that's their money cornerback. And he he asked the coach, no, let's let's run it to the left. Let's just flip it. Let's run it to the left. And so you got Crabtree on Terrence Mitchell. I think it's really telling in those two plays on the goal line with, with the season on the line, he's trusting Michael Crabtree. Maybe not Amari Cooper in that spot. They're looking to the veteran Crabtree to make the play for him. And he does it. What a moment. Crabtree, Crabtree wins the game. He had three catches, including the game winner. Amari Cooper, welcome to the NFL in 2017. 11 for 210 and two scores. And at three killer drops, he could have closed in on a 300-yard gain if he played a perfect game. But who's going to complain when you go 11 for 210 and two? Uh, and finally, before we get out of here, we could talk about this game for an hour, to be right. honest. Right. I mean, Marshawn Lynch got kicked yeah, out. we should talk about the Marshawn Lynch situation. Alex Smith had a touchdown that bounced off of uh, a defender's hands. I mean, there was a lot Very going crazy. on. Very crazy. Marshawn Lynch uh, gets ejected and um, in the midway through the second quarter for running onto the field after Marcus Peters uh, had a late hit on Derek Carr. And then there was question because he's also real tight with Marcus Peters, uh, who's an Oakland guy, of what he was even running on the field about. Was it to defend uh, his quarterback or was it to help out Marcus Peters? I think it was to separate. Deion Sanders' theory was it was to separate everything and save his boy Marcus Peters. That's what it appeared to be. It Uh, it, it didn't look like that. You could dig into the Deion commentary (laughs) and things. I don't so much. But, like, anyway, so he he then grabs an official, gets tossed from the game. We'll see how this all plays out. Uh, Initially, it was reported that he left the stadium. That was going to be a major story tomorrow. But it turns out he was in the locker room. Omar Ruiz of NFL Network had the shot in the locker room. So Beast Mode was there. A crazy game. Uh, one of the most memorable games. One of the craziest NFL games I've ever seen. So It, it really was. And the fact, 
that that the stars all showed up. It, it, I think I don't think it should be lost that Khalil Mack makes a huge sack to get the ball back. The Chiefs, who are an offensive team, had the chance to win the game to put the game away with Twice. two different drives late in the fourth quarter. And the Raiders' defense, which has been terrible this year and wasn't really very good in this game, did get two key stops, including a three and out there at the end. So you got to give them some love, giving Derek Carr a chance to save this Raiders season. We're gonna give the Raiders love. We got we gotta. Tell a sad story about Greg, though. What's that? Oh, oh that's right. Oh, well, it was worth it. it was, I'm giving it up. Just keep losing these locks if we can get games like this, baby. And ladies and gentlemen, tracking at home, yes, the old Zeuser did pick the Raiders to win the game, the only mm. person in the room. Anyway, enough of that. Enough of that navel-gazing. Let's move on and get to the rest of the Week 7 games. There's no way they're going to be able to match this, but let's hope that they can even approach it. Let's get to the rest of the show. But first, want to save big? Over 300 million smart and thrifty shoppers have discovered Wish, the mobile mall app that connects you to thousands of merchants. Wish makes it easy to shop fashion, shoes, electronics, kitchen gadgets, and more directly from the makers themselves. Maron. That way, you pay 60 to 90% less than you'd pay in a store. No markups, no overpay, no way, man. They even have an outlet section complete with products from amazing brands like U.S. Polo, Mark Sessler's favorite champion, Wrangler, which Greg uses their jeans, and Hanes, which are good for underpants. And if you can wait a few weeks for delivery, you'll get lower shipping prices than almost anywhere else. And now, for our listeners, Wish is offering all new users a free gift with purchase. But dedicated Wish lovers, don't worry about being left out. All listeners can get 20% off your purchase by using my code AROUNDNFL. Just download and open your Wish app, find things that you didn't even know you needed, and enter my code or our code AROUNDNFL for 20% off your purchase. The Around the NFL podcast mostly believes in aliens. Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast presented by Head and Shoulders. My name is Dan Hansis, and I am joined by a room filled with some heroes. Mark Sessler to my left, Greg Rosenthal to my right. What's up, boys? Happy Thursday. <laughs> How are you? What's going on? It sounds like a happy Thursday coming from you, buddy. <laughs> I like a little passive aggressiveness just to get the show going. Sprinkle it in like a little salt well, we pepper just on had, salad. We were very excited to appear on NFL Network, mm-hmm. and it, they canceled it on us. Yeah. As we were sitting in our chairs, cameras hot. They just they they bagged our segment. Second straight week, so we are becoming kind of the Matt Damon to the NFL Network's Jimmy Kimmel. Right. You know Only mean? that's a bit, and this is a real thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this and, is a flashy show of disrespect. And as Greg uh, pointed out um, earlier in the show, there was like a, a bit about suits that the the people on the show. That we got bumped from. Oh, these from. people that can afford suits. Yeah, they were like going on about this guy's suit looks like this, and that guy's suit looks like that. And Greg, what were you thinking? And it was it was prescient. I I was thinking, well, you know, that might they might not have time for us after all this suit talk. <laughs> so I'm sure the viewers were like, well, we lost the podcast, guys, but good suit talk. But there, they, yeah, yeah, there were a lot of viewers out there just like waiting, waiting for us to come on, baby. 
Look at, I mean, Craig, have some self-respect. There were people that were waiting. We have a nice little audience, and people were excited. Greg would know this. He, he, you know, Greg would probably have been contacted over email from various fans, except that Greg's email has been short-circuited because he is in a standoff with NFL Media's <laughs> IT department over not completing you know, required training, training that Dan and Mark and, and Wes and others have diligently completed. It's not a standoff. I was unaware... Uh, of all these training emails that you know, going going out. And uh, yeah, they shut off the email. <laughs> Do you know who doesn't have to worry about that stuff? Like if you're Michael Irvin, you could blow off the oh, please. the it, data software encryption warning uh, <laughs> short videos. But if you're Greg, it's a little different. Thank you very much. Here with NFL.com's Greg Rosenthal. NFL.com. NFL.com. I think in general, Greg is, has a really good career and a, a bright future ahead of him. But well, it's, you, it's good to finally get that that seal of approval from Dan. <laughs> but it does it does feel like that these little slaps on the wrist that get sent your way specifically that you can kind of connect the dots a little bit that they are sending a message occasionally. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> I do not think this is sending a message. I have heard people all over the building that have gotten uh, similar uh, infractions in many areas because they didn't because they don't read every email that comes across that you got to do a ten part uh, in you know well that's not, that's not how we see course. it we don't see it that I way I was going to say how many people got blocked out of their email that have were sent to camps and did live NFL Network hits with mm-hmm. other former uh, pro football talent got sent overseas for the London games and did live hits with Steve Washington from the Big Ben like. How many other people are getting that treatment from? You know, it's a little. Well, it's a little. You know, different. You're saying that, yeah. There's. It's a cast system scenario. They're putting you back into a certain cast. <laughs> All right. Anyway, this is the week seven preview episode. Of course, uh, one game is already in the can: the Chiefs and Raiders. Uh, you just heard Greg and I recap that, but we got a lot more to get to, so we should not delay any more unless we want to do a little suit talk. Uh, but we don't want to do that. No need to boil the ocean with the suits. Let's get into the game. Sound like a good idea? Let's do it. Okay, let's start, ladies and gentlemen, listening at home, and men behind the glass, and Lindsay Fulton, who's a woman. There's no men behind the glass today. Oh, is that true? I like that. I like it. See, we are we are a well-oiled machine. The men and the women. I, I don't know about that. We do well. <laughs> We're getting there. We're getting there. Very happy to have Lindsay aboard again as a full-time uh, producer. Very exciting times for the show. Let's get into the first game, Mark Sessler. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers traveling to Orchard Park to face the Bills. And this is an interesting game, Mark, because, first of all, we don't know for sure as of taping time if uh, Jameis Winston's playing. But he's scheduled to be practicing on Friday. That feels like a good sign. So let's kind of work under the assumption that he probably will start, but you could see Fitzmagic. Uh, but there's problems here. The, the Bucks, who were a preseason darling, 2-3, and three, and now they go to Buffalo to play a Bills team that is 3-2, coming off a bye, so they're fresh, and they are genuinely frisky on defense. Yeah, this is one of those games that all those off-season shows, they appear on our network too, that go through the schedule and say, hey, let's it's May. Let's try to predict what happens. Oh, and the Bills are going to be an easy out. So chalk that up as a W for 95% of the Bills' opponents. Not at all. This is a dangerous game for the Bucks, who are 2-3 and three and play the Panthers and Saints after this. The Bucks team, you want to talk about coaching. Dealing with Arizona last week, 
They weren't ready for Adrian Peterson. They weren't ready for anything. Completely caught off guard and massacred in the first half and couldn't do enough to get back in it in the second. And the Bills' defense is legitimate. It's crazy. This AFC East was dismissed outside of New England. It's New England's defense that's a piece of junk right now. The Jets, Dolphins, and Bills all sporting better defenses. Is there going to be a lot of massacre references in today's show? (laughs) That was the only one. That was aggressive. I mean, the Bills are favored in this game, I, I would imagine. At this point, the Buccaneers get a lot of focus for Jameis Winston and the offense not being quite as good as we expected. And we'll find out if Jameis Winston plays in this game. He is going to fully uh, practice on Friday, which is a good sign after missing those two days of practices. But whether it's him or Fitzpatrick, it wasn't the offense that gave up three touchdowns right. in quick order. I mean, they had had two offensive series when Jameis Winston got back on the field with an injury, and the score was 21 nothing. So if you've had two offensive series and you didn't score, but they moved the ball out, you expect it to be about 3 nothing, 7 nothing, maybe nothing. That thing's 21 nothing. The game's over. And it was something I talked about way back in the offseason. It got me in trouble um, with Brent Grimes's. Is this one you called the Panthers a disgrace? No, this was this was the the Buccaneers <laughs> was secondary. A couple of years. And what I said was yeah. this secondary is very thin. Counting on Brent Grimes to be that good again at his age, and then nothing behind oh. him is troubling. Now Brent Grimes has been that good at this age. He's having a great season, but the rest of the secondary is a nightmare. It's not like Carson Palmer was making tough throws last week. Guys were open by 10, 15 yards. Mike Smith, who I was a little worried about watching on All or Nothing. I mean, it seemed like. He was a candidate to be a, one of those coaches that has to take a leave because he's too stressed. It's all about I mean, the Tavis. I mean, he just seems a little too stressed out. when he's That was up, weird. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it, like worrisome. I think he's pretty stressed right Do now. Do you take anything from Tampa Bay in the second half of that Cardinals game shutting down Arizona finally? I mean, I, I don't. No, I mean, the that damage has been done at that that's point. That's the way the game yeah. was playing out. Um, and the Bills defense, to, to the point when I set it up with you, Mark, is that uh, – I got this from the NFL Media Research Notes, which, oh, great work. And you can check out the uh, Wednesday piece on the end around. They are first in points per game. Uh, they are second in passer rating allowed. They are fourth in takeaways per game. They uh, are first in touchdowns allowed per game. And they are second in opposition red zone touchdown percentage. Uh, this is the best Bills defense right now since 1999, which is also the last time they won uh, 10 games, by the way, and the last time they made the playoffs. So. Could be a tough situation for the Bucks, who have not gotten their act together yet. Let's move on and talk about the Carolina Panthers, uh, who are traveling to Chicago to face the Bears. The Panthers uh, have a, a you know a little extra time to get healthy after playing Thursday night uh, and losing to the Eagles. Luke Kuechly suffered a concussion in that game, so we'll see if he gets cleared in time to play in this game. And then you have a Bears team start number three, Greg, for Mitch Trubisky. Well, let's. Let's start using Mitchell Trubisky a little more. I know they're protecting him, uh, but last week they almost seemed afraid to use him, and I don't think you need to go that far. I think this is a game, though, that now the Bears look at. Is Kelvin Benjamin going to play in this game? It it sounds like there's a, a decent chance he doesn't. And so when you take away Kelvin Benjamin from a team that has had zero running game over the last two weeks, They've essentially turned into a passing team, and I think you saw some of the limitations in that against the Eagles. Maybe the Bears think we don't need to pass. This is another game that we can keep close without throwing the ball at all. I mean, they ran the ball 54 times. 
the one thing that concerned me with Mitchell Trubisky, and it's it's not on him, because you I think you mentioned this one play, Greg, on Sunday night where the snap went shot over his head, yeah. and the athleticism and his you know wherewithal to get the ball out, it was in the end zone. It would have been a safety or potentially even a touchdown. Great move by him. But there was a lot of action with Baltimore where they were effective getting right up through the heart of that offensive line and getting to Trubisky. On blitzes. On really. blitzes. And it's like this is that matchup concerns me a lot with, with Carolina's defense. They they did blitz a lot. In the past, they weren't a team that normally did, but they, they did quite a bit on Philadelphia, and they've got the talent to do it. You try to scramble a rookie quarterback. And Cam Newton came down to earth. He got scorching hot there leading into that Thursday night game, and then I thought played a pretty bad game, very sloppy. Um, and now we get to see him again. The Bears' defense isn't that bad, at least uh, statistically this season. Uh, ranked sixth overall, and I want to see what happens if Cam Newton is stuck in a situation again like he was last week where they have nobody moving the ball uh, at the running back position, and it's all on Cam again. they got to find a way to move the ball on the ground. This Bears team is going to – I think they're going to be a tough out in, in general. I know they're you know starting – Trey McBride and Tanner Gentry at wide receiver, so there's some limitations. But I think it's a very good offensive line. I mean, they've they've been blowing open holes for uh, their running backs for the most part. They've pass protected well. It really was the blitzes and the running backs and the tight ends that were getting Trubisky in trouble. This is a dangerous game for for Carolina. I think the, I think the Bears are pretty frisky. It's a yeah. frisky John Fox team. Well, they're another team that you look at that people had left for dead in August, and it's not the case. Yeah, they're putting up a fight. I don't know if it'll be enough to save John Fox's job. He's going to have to win some games, but uh, yeah. I'd keep an eye on the Panthers, who had 32 yards of rushing in the last two weeks combined from their running backs. I am sure that they used that extra time to work on this running game because they that that has to be driving Ron Rivera crazy. Moving on, the Tennessee Titans are coming off a Monday night win over the Colts where they got it going on offense a little bit, uh, scored over 30 points. Marcus Mariota was limited with the leg injury but still passed the ball very well. And now they get the Cleveland Browns, who, of course, are 0-6, not even competitive um, most weeks. So it feels like a good spot for the Titans, um, Mark, who – get to go into their bye after this, which sets them up to let Mariota get healthy. All they got to do is take care of business against your Browns. Yeah, Tennessee are the Titans. I don't know what we're calling uh, Cleveland at this point because... Well, the Browns actually kind of fit that's, the that's, kind of the Browns. That's already... It's already packed yeah. in there, I guess. It's I, Here's the thing. I Watching Cleveland and kind of... They're just... They're, they're tough to deal with week to week on Game Pass, but I feel like two of the quarterbacks that really took them to town, Deshaun Watson last week and Jacoby Brissett, had a field day against them, throwing the ball, but also running. I don't think that Greg Williams in this defense, which has in games, or at least for for portions of games, looked different than previous Browns defenses. It just hasn't altogether been there. But they don't seem to do well against mobile quarterbacks. And I think that this is a good matchup for Marcus Mariota. And it's just flat out a much better team. I mean, is he going to be a mobile quarterback, though? That's the other part of this. We'll have to see. But I mean, but even through the air, Cleveland's secondary has had all sorts of issues. Jabril Peppers is a a great athlete, but I don't think they've quite figured out how to use him in that secondary. They're an easy defense to prepare for. I think there was a next-gen stats that, you know, they blitzed, I think, the least of any... I don't even know if that's a next-gen stat. Does that count? You know, the next-gen stats, rights holders might come after me for that. I don't know if blitzing really counts, but they, they don't blitz much. Yeah, most of their stats are about going 21 miles per hour. <laughs> that Now, that's being disrespectful. I'm sorry. They I think they blitz less than any team in the entire Cleveland, N- you're N- NFL. Cleveland. So, but they're, they're an easy team to pr- prepare for, and you would think this is a week Mariota... I really doubt is going to be able to run at all based on what we saw the other night. And he showed that he maybe doesn't really need to. 
Yeah, it doesn't. I mean, the only the only bright spot, if you want to talk about passers, Miles Garrett over two games Ooh, yeah. has absolutely looked like the real deal. But you get this week, you have Taylor Lewan, Jack Conklin. It's a tough offensive line to deal with. I would consider benching DeMarco Murray for this game. He has not looked right the entire season. You got a bye coming up. You're facing the Browns. You got a great backup in Derrick mm. Henry. Why not just sit him? And I'm also saying, before we get out of here, Please. This, is a, this is a game that the Browns could win. You get Kaiser on the—we haven't even mentioned Deshaun Kaiser starting this game. He's back in the starting lineup. The Titans are one of the worst pass rushers, one of the worst defenses. Kaiser has not had time. If ever there's a game where he has some time to throw the ball, this is it. You're facing a limited quarterback. I'm just saying the Titans aren't— Throw it to who, though, is the question, but yes. A little too much Browns stock. All right. Win win a game, and then let's talk about it. Sorry, Fawn. I just, you know, I think I came I on a little, with you, a little too strong uh, last week. But I, and Greg, you said it downstairs as well. I'm a little annoyed by how bad the Browns are. Win a game. I believe me, I'm with you. Let's move on. The New Orleans Saints uh, now hit the road, riding a three-game winning streak, and face the Green Bay Packers. You want to talk about good timing? The Packers without. Aaron Rodgers, you couldn't be in a better situation uh, if you were the Saints and Sean Payton and the Saints defense that is uh, riding high all of a sudden. And Drew Brees is just as good as ever. And it goes back to that old thing with the Saints. If you just have an OK defense and Drew Brees, you're going to be OK. But they're been, the defense has been better than OK, Greg, the last three weeks. Last few weeks they have been. I mean, they have it's only six weeks. So I we get a little ahead of this, but so far through six weeks, Cam Jordan would be in my top five or so for defensive players of the year. Marshawn Lattimore, I think, reminds me a different sort of cornerback, but like Jalen Ramsey, a rookie cornerback who is coming out and making an instant impact where you think, wow, this guy could be an elite top five guy for a long time. I hope we're not getting ahead of ourselves. And then you've got an offense, which reminds me a little bit of the Cowboys uh, in the year that they controlled the ball so well with Tony Romo and last year. Drew Brees is not lighting up this year. It's kind of a ball control. Let's keep short passing. Let's run the ball. Let's possess it. Keep our defense off the field. Maybe the defense can make some big plays. It's a nice little recipe they got going. Yeah, and and their defense extends to watching that game against the Lions, <clears throat> guys like Alex Okafor, Craig Robertson, they are aggressive. They're stopping the run. They made life absolutely miserable for Matthew Stafford. And I just, I can't remember the last time I would go watch a Saints game and it's the defense you come away thinking, this is why they have a real chance in the NFC. If you look at their numbers through two weeks, they were last or next to last in almost every relevant uh, statistical measure for defense. And now they're basically in the top five in the last three weeks. Mm. And again, very small sample size. But And, and the schedule's kind of played to their, their liking. And, and even this game's going to play into their hands unless Hundley breaks out. And we should get to Hundley. But uh, the Saints, there's reason to be a little bit excited in a wide-open NFC. It made a huge difference, by the way, that they got left tackle to Ron Armstead back last week. That is an all-pro, and it suddenly kind of stabilized the whole team. Well, what are we thinking about Hundley in his first start? Do, do we think he can do something here? Well, I want to wipe away kind of everything that we saw last week because a, a week of preparation and practice could help. I actually think Hunley is 
going to be serviceable. I really do. The one thing that I see a difference, such a drop-off from Aaron Rodgers, was last week there were a couple sacks and hits he took where it just never would have happened to Aaron Hundley. It never would have happened to Aaron Rodgers. His ability to kind of see behind him and to extend plays. Hundley, you just it takes a while, if, if ever, and they threw, to kind of see that way. They threw the kitchen sink at him, Mike Zimmer, and I would expect Dennis Allen and the Saints to do the same in terms of just really showing him a lot of crazy pressures. But he made a few nice passes. Yeah. And we always hear, and I've been saying this too, Ted Thompson, great general manager, great eye for talent. Nice you sense know. of humor. <laughs> nice dry. It's kind of like you a know. Popovich type uh, sense right. of humor. Right. Common, yeah, common answer, you know, when you say, like, who are three guys in the world I'd want to have dinner with? Ted Thompson comes up quite a bit. 1991 Zach Morris. Right. Also comes that, up. That's, for other reasons. That's the body. Yeah, that's yeah. a weird. That's Whole he continues to <laughs> continues to, uh, to creep us out just, uh, just a little bit, Dan. Yeah, like because in the way it's kind of saying I want to return. This is, of course, is if you haven't listened, Dan, if he could choose anybody in the world, would want high school version of Zach Morris. Body. Well, let's it's, clarify: September, October, nineteen ninety-one. Mark Paul Gosler, okay. who played before, but it's kind of like Zach saying, like I want to return to my high school days too. I don't know. It's a, well, then you would be in a uh, a largely successful uh, acid rock group. And you'd be wearing black makeup and and long hair, and it would be a different time for you again. It would, it would be it would be a different time. And by the way, everyone getting on me about the underage aspect of it, which he's not. He's definitely legal. Uh, Zach Morris at that stage. Connie Fox says Jasmine. I looked it up. Jasmine from that Disney movie, fifteen years old. So you know, just throwing it out there. She can't defend herself. Well, that, I don't care. I, I think Who that's fair. No, no, she does not get off scot free. She, in <laughs> fact, has gone somewhere even darker than you. You know who doesn't get off scot free? I forgot what I what led us into this. We hear a lot about Ted Thompson. Yes, we hear a lot. Is this point it's completely gonna, necessary? It's totally okay. necessary. <laughs> we hear a lot at Mike McCarthy and offensive mind. All right, let let's see it. This is a test of like let's see. The other players that Ted Thompson has brought into this organization, Kenny Clark and Mike Daniels, and everyone on this team needs to step up. If Mike McCarthy's a great offensive mind, make it work with Brett Hundley. That that would prove that would prove they're bona fide. Who do you got in this game, Mark? By the way, I'm just curious. It's a tough one. I'm going to go New Orleans. Come back when? No. Okay. Okay. Uh, by the way, I did uh, throw out a theory before we move on to the next game. I'll just throw it. Hits are up. QB hits are up in the last ten years. It's been steadily rising. It's the worst possible situation for the NFL. I threw out a theory. Tell me how crazy this is. What if you brought, I'm being serious, by the way, the red jersey, non-contact jersey, into real games for quarterbacks, but you have to figure out, you have to hit one of these qualifiers, okay? You win an MVP, red jersey. (laughs) Have you earned multiple all-pro selections? You get a jersey. Have at least 12 years of NFL experience time. Get a red jersey. Protect those vital natural resources in the league. Well, if and you have to right. earn it, that's a very interesting idea. But if you a it it completely Aaron Rodgers is dis- the reason it I destroys competitive it. balance. But if you're someone who's tired of right. seeing Tom Brady thrive for a million years and you in the same two or three teams with these top tier quarterbacks, right. it's just going to extend it, that annoyance. Yeah, but it, it it pays the bills. It keeps us employed. Right, well, but quarterbacks keep end. the lights on. But how do you how do you develop? You know, younger stars, if they're kind of have a bigger target on their back. I mean, let, they don't I, have a bigger target. They're just vulnerable. I to and, me that I think Dak Prescott, Russell Wilson, you know, Carson Wentz, those guys are just as valuable. You Russell Wilson has helping. a red contact jersey. He's got a Super Bowl. Oh, okay, oh. I think it's how about the quarterbacks it. in general just get it? It no, would be the worst. No, thing no. you have to earn it. 
that adds the kind of level to it. It makes a guy even more valuable. How about this? Adding to that, one more fold, the worst team in the league each year, the entire offense wears a red contact jersey. It, or they wear no pads. They get punished. It adds a little oh, It adds a little too much importance into the MVP and all-pro voting where oh, that's, like Bobby that's Wagner gets an MVP vote. Give me a break. Okay, let's move on. The Jacksonville Jaguars uh, are 3-3. Three and three. Uh, They could not take care of business last week against the Rams, and now they travel uh, to face the Colts. And uh, bad, bad news for the Colts. Jake Brisket has done a nice job on balance uh, with that team. Um, he is Slides me off a piece of that. Especially Jake considering Brisket. that he came into the program right before the season began. He's done a nice job overall. Uh, but Andrew Luck got shut down in his um, throwing and basically his ramping up his activity to try to make a comeback. And now we're in a situation here, guys, where we don't know if we're going to see Andrew Luck at all. It feels like a very real possibility now that Andrew Luck's season is over, right? Yeah, and, there, and I would say this. I think if anything, if there's any sort of residue off of the Jacoby Brissett success, is that they're, I don't know, is this a Super Bowl team? There's no, you don't have to rush to bring... Andrew Luck back. I, I just wouldn't. I, I really, they're not. No, they're not. And I question if he will even play this year. They keep saying, no, no, of course I'll be playing. Of course he'll, you know, we're not putting him on IR. I mean, we're getting closer to that being a reality. I, I originally wrote down on this game, it's kind of like the does Andrew Luck matter bowl because they're running out of games that I think they have a good chance to win. They're in Cincy next week. They're in Houston. This is a home game. It's a division opponent. Like each one of these wins gives a chance for Andrew Luck to matter. But now that he was shut down and he was at least a few weeks away already, you have to almost assume he's he's a month away. They have a week 11 by. I, I think you still play him. If he's healthy enough to play and he's more than cleared, I don't care what the record is. I, I so say, they, well, and he's going to want you play. He's going to demand it. To me, it's like too. it's a it's a football team, and like you you see, you're very careful. But if he's a hundred percent ready to go, so you, Andrew Luck, who is the future of the, of the franchise, he's the face of the franchise. He's, I believe, the highest paid player in the league, if not close. If they go into their buy at three and seven, we're going to bring him out anyway for December. Yeah, okay, I think so. For All the right. this is a, one of those games, the Jaguar. I mean, they've <laughs> they've gotten lucky. I would bring him in. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm not judging. I'm just like, I don't know if I would. I would probably say to myself, I'm sure they're asking just, themselves. This is already a lost year. Question. Let's get this guy 100 percent for the offseason program next year. I don't know. The uh, the Jaguars have to be pumped to get this matchup up right now. I mean, they can every win that they get that they get a little more of a feeling that they matter. They're not used to being so relevant and near 500 at this stage of the season, but just watching them, it makes me even more annoyed about the whole Blake Bortles decision in the off season. It's almost like their winning has insulated them from criticism of what they did at quarterback. But if anything, it makes me more annoyed because this AFC South is there for the taking. And if they had just done anything at quarterback, this is a team that could go to the playoffs. And that would mean a lot for this franchise. That said, and I know a few Jaguars fans, and I think they're got to be top three in the last, you know, 15 years of just pure suffering and feeling yeah. like constantly being ripped on. I look at this season. Every year you get a team like this that does this. They're kind of learning how to win. They flip-flop wins and losses. And when they do things well, the Jaguars do things very well on defense. That's a playoff defense. I think so, too. I'm going to tell you something. What? What? They're going to start to build momentum. Yeah? We're going to get out of this flip-flopping wins and losses. Keep you're going to win this week. Keep you're going to go into your bye week, and you're going to take it to the Bengals two weeks from now. I'm locking it up! Okay. Not fearless, but okay. 
Are they well, be... that's an underwhelming response. Yeah, they're on the road. That's that's a it's totally a road game that we that listen. By the way, a road game with a quarterback that nobody buys. No, the, uh, you definitely you're respecting the room. You're respecting the room. Uh, are they going to need a comeback to do it? No, no. Let's move on. Talk about the Arizona Cardinals and Los Angeles Rams. What an interesting matchup because people are flying high now um, about the cards because Adrian Peterson came to town and made them look like a totally different unit. And so now all of a sudden they're 500 despite as bad as they've been. We talked about how they were the worst two and two team in the league. They're not three and three. They're still okay. And they, they probably have a lot more confidence. Now they go to pay, face the Rams on the road. A big, big game here, uh, Mark, for uh, both teams, but especially the Cardinals who could build off that game. Yeah, they're, they're one of the most intriguing teams heading into this week because their identity completely changed mm-hmm. last Sunday. And, and the Rams are a team that you can, you can run on. I mean, they, they got absolutely taken to town by the Redskins and Dallas. Jacksonville ran on the Rams. So it's a, it's, if, if, if the script plays as it did last week for Arizona, it's a nice setup for them. I feel like I look at this Rams team, though, and I feel like it's the team Bruce Arians would love to have right now. Mm. A lot of elements in place that he would, and it's it's it, this is the game of the week to me. This is fascinating. Well, London, fi- you know, not finally, but it's nice to see London get such uh, an intriguing game. They get Adrian Peterson for the second time this year, except this time he's coming into the game with juice. I he's mean, gonna play. I don't need to. <laughs> right, I don't need yeah. to see. I don't need to see more to to think that he's for real. I don't know if they're gonna block well for him or if the offense is going to be good but he's making people miss last week he's showing vision he's running people over like that it's not you can trust what you see he's got the juice Danny okay I like the juice <laughs> I like the juice squeezing the juice Cardinals have 10, Short call 10 players older than Sean McVay I know how to coach old guys I mean they are the they're the the oldest team in the league basically playing one of the youngest the Cardinals the Cardinals, so, yeah. Sorry, over the over Sean McVay. Hey, you kind of had a senior moment there, didn't you? Uh, what did I even say? Oldest guy in the room. <laughs> I'd, um, I'd be oh, a little please. worried if I'm the Rams about some of the <laughs> offensive struggles the last two. weeks. Go away. How about both of you leave the room? <laughs> yeah, is it hard for you now? Because because Wes, you know, our our good buddy Chris Wesley, not here for this show. Um, you guys are closer in age, and Dan and I are so much younger. Like, does that? I spend a lot of time on you. Uh, you know, watching over a seven- and six-year-old at home, and the dynamic is no different here. Oh, I, th- I thought you were going to go, yeah, I got a six- and a seven-year-old. Yeah, Keeps me young, man. Keeps me <laughs> no, they, are, they show aspects of maturity <laughs> that the two of you could take pointers from. Hey, I'll tell you what. By the way, in case people forgot, the Los Angeles Rams are the team of ATL. Mm-hmm. Team of ATL. And... Uh, Forget about the Cardinals. Everybody calm down. One game. All of a sudden, now they're great. Disrespectful. I'm going to do it. I'm going to disrespect them. And I'm going to stand by the Rams, even though I've seen some things that I don't love about Jared Goff the last couple of weeks. I love that the defense, again, uh, balled out and took over that game last week. And that's why, gentlemen, oh, wow. you got to get behind the team of ATL. I am looking at up. <laughs> Lock up them Rams. A vaguely respectful move by you. Aaron Donald has been an absolute nightmare the last few weeks. I mean, just playing at at a level as well as he has ever played. And I I think they need to win games in that that different sort of way. They've only scored 23 points on offense the last two weeks. In other words... That's concerning. Skip training camp, whether you are in the league or cover the league. You know what? 
I trust Son of Bum to scheme something up yeah. to confuse old man Palmer and have uh, Adrian Peterson running into the line over and over again. Hmm. I like it. A little concerned about uh, Sammy Watkins at this point. It, yeah. I, I, like, I'm starting to wonder, does he get a long-term contract there? Like, he, he is their third receiver right now behind Woods and Cup. Let's move on. Uh, AFC East rematch. Only week seven, but the Jets and Dolphins are closing out their home-and-home. Home. Uh, the Jets, of course, back in week three. Uh, dominated the Dolphins. It was 20 nothing until the last play of the game, a 20-6 to Jet win uh, that put them on a three-game winning streak, got them going toward that. But now they're coming off a loss, a tough loss to the Patriots. They got jobbed by the NFL rulebook, let's be honest. Uh, let's be honest, they probably would have lost the game anyway also, but whatever, moving on. The, uh, the Dolphins on the other side of the ball, uh, feeling great. They got to be feeling great, um, Mark, because, uh, excuse me, Greg, because what you have here is a team that was dead in the water against the defending NFC champions on the road, and then they scored 20 straight points and win. What a bizarre game that was. They have to have real confidence when they're close late in games. They're close to setting the all-time NFL record for winning one-score games without losing one. I mean, and most levels, it just feels fluky, but it's what got them to the playoffs last year, and... I'm not saying their offense is going to be great, but if their offense can just – going into the year, it wouldn't have been crazy to think they're the 20th best offense in the league. They have been so bad, so you know, with the Browns or any other team as one of the worst, that if they could just get respectable, which they were for a half, it wasn't much to go off, then they could have a good team because the defense is playing so well. Yeah, I, I think of Keith Hands as your dad who grew up yeah. – you know, you were. This is about the time you probably were stepping into your Jets fandom. But these old Jets Dolphins matchups would grace the cover of SI every time they happened because they'd be these sort of fifty to forty-four overtime shootouts with Dan Marino and Kenny O'Brien. Sure, what a totally different pair of teams. And Miami's defense is absolutely legitimately for real. And I think when you talk about their offense, Greg, like last week, Jay Ajayi plugged back in and was an anchoring force, someone they could count on. They, It is so critical that that happens for them to have any shot to score points. I, I definitely worry about a big JHI game uh, in this uh, matchup on the road. I think the Jets did a really nice job bottling up Ajay the first time, and Jay Cutler looked about 45 years old in that game. Uh, I can't... The Dolphins are a hard team to make sense of because they were so bad in the first half of that game. And I think a lot of the... Um, uh, I don't want to take anything away from that comeback victory, but the Falcons just fell on their face also in that second half, just did everything wrong, whether it was turnovers or... Very or, similar to the Super Bowl. Yeah, fumbles. Yep. It was just, it was clear like they, they just were in their own heads perhaps. Had a lot to do with Miami though. Sure, no, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Hey, hey, yeah, Dolphins respect, but I'm saying the, Dolph- the Falcons did their Falcons thing again, so I'm not sure if I believe the, the, the Dolphins are the real deal, so that's why I think, I think the Jets are going to go in there and get a win. You and Handsome Hank have any so, wagers on this? No wagers, but I am in kind of a war with his seven-year-old son. That feels appropriate. Uh, yeah, so we're gonna we'll go back and forth. Well, on the NFL Pick'em Show, which everyone should check out on Saturday, three different times. Oh I, yeah, I believe. Uh, go six, go for it, bro. six two and eleven Eastern, I believe. But you can figure it out. 
Dave Damashek showed the disrespect to the Jets by picking the Dolphins as his survivor pick. It just, to me, was completely bizarre because this Dolphins team is not trustworthy in that way. Of course not. It's and, a silly pick. And you got to give a little love to old John Morton. Well, Johnny I think, Morton. I don't think John Morton's name has ever been mentioned on American media yet outside of New York. Well, you better well, clarify who he is. I'll tell you who he is. He's the offensive coordinator of a team that's getting Josh McCown to make some plays and has turned Austin Safari. Arian Jenkins into a must-start right now in fantasy leagues, leading the NFL among tight ends and receptions since he's been back. He's a pretty good playmaker. Like, they're an okay offense. He's this doing po- a nice little job. I mean, John this Morton. podcast, to your point, was always eyes wide open towards John Morton. We, oh, we knew. Every every show we talk about him. Uh, yeah, I think the Jets, if they could have run the ball against the Patriots, would have won that game. So if the Dolphins can shut down the running game the way the Patriots did, Josh McCown could be exposed. We'll see if they can do it. Hard to figure out uh, the Dolphins. All right, moving on. Oh, who do you who do you got in that game, Mark? In that game, I will take the Dolphins. You think they'll need a comeback to do it? I think they will. Come back, Colonels, with Mark Sessler. 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 Come back. <laughs> Could have been 20 seconds, potentially shorter, but, you know, if you make it as long as you can. A very, uh, like a They Might Be Giants vibe there. <laughs> <laughs> it was truly a kernel. All I said was yes. There was literally no analysis attached to it. So and kernel. big popcorn. I know you're out there listening. <laughs> that is currently unattached in terms of a sponsorship. That's where we're at now. We're just having to create our own hits. I like that. Moving on, the Baltimore Ravens are three and three. Just lost to the Bears for Christ's sake. Now they travel to Minnesota uh, to face the Vikings, a Vikings team that is. Got to be all sorts of pumped up because now they look at the NFC, NFC North, Greg, and they say, we can win this damn thing. They they should have their sights far in this NFC. Why not? Why not have some home playoff games? Why not have a little bit of fun? They could be the best defense in the league. Pro Football Focus has them ranked as the best defense in the league, and they're doing it kind of in an old school way with continuity, not a lot of substitutions, not a lot of things that are going to you know, trick you. The, of their 11 starters, all 11 have been with the team for at least three years, which is outrageous. They run the same two personnel groups for 96% of their plays. So the guys aren't coming on and off the field. It's just the same 11 guys, and you have just guys b- being able to play fast. Right now, Xavier Rhodes, one of the best cornerbacks in the league. Harrison Smith, one of the best safeties. Everson Griffin, one of the best defensive ends. You've got difference makers at every level, and then you're facing a team like the Ravens, and you kind of think it's game over. Like, when the Ravens face a halfway decent defense, it's game over, because unlike some of the bad offenses that has young players, they're old and depressing to watch, and they can't score on anyone. The Ravens are mm. they are poorly built on they're offense They're the worst right team now. to watch in the league right now. Yeah, they're not on any offense. fun, and Joe Flacco is quietly having a disastrous season. And on the Vikings, to your point on defense, I love when you're Mike Zimmer, you're the old-school defensive backs coach, defensive coordinator, when the identity of your team matches the talents of your head coach and why they hired him, and they truly do. But I also like this offense, which last year was impossible to watch. Adam Thielen is such a reliable 
emerging wide receiver and beyond emerging. He's obviously, he's, a, he's basically like a star player at this point. And we were just sort of discovering him last season. They were fine last week without Stefan Diggs for the most part. I think they missed him. I think they, they, they were going to miss him, but they got by and Jarek McKinnon, who I did not think was an impressive player before this season. I think he's done a nice job stepping in for Dalvin Cook. He can catch the ball. He's fast. They, they've got a lot going on on offense, even with Case Keenum is starting, who's going to play this week, it sounds like. Can you imagine if Dalvin Cook was still yeah. on this team? You, you would really, I mean, I'm not saying now they can't make a deep run in the playoffs or make the playoffs, but feel you different. get really excited I, about him. And I like also the idea of, and I know Case Keenum's done a nice job, the, what gets me excited about a potential like special Viking season is if Teddy Bridgewater gets his shot and does some things and ends up being the guy that takes this team in the playoffs, then then you have a whole yes. narrative set up, an amazing comeback story, and you got the Super Bowl in Minneapolis. That would be a lot of fun well, he's to practicing, track. so it's very possible we see him. Stefan Diggs is one of the best receivers in the league. He didn't practice on Thursday. This offense was, I thought, more limited last week. Keenum did not have a great game overall, and if to me, it's a coin flip game. I'd give Minnesota an edge because it's in Minnesota. If the Ravens' defense is is at all special or that's kind of their identity, go win a game against Case Keenum uh, against a team that's missing their number one receiver and their number one running back. Go win a game, Ravens' defense. I, have, I, I, I could also see Minnesota hammering Baltimore in this game. I have a bit of a Sessler here. Mm. I've been waiting for my Justin Tucker wins a game by himself game. <laughs> and he's been very quiet. It hasn't been his fault. The offense has been brutal. Had a nice little game last week. Hit his first 50-yarder. I think he's got a couple in him this mm, week. Okay. And it might not take a lot of points to win this game. Mm. Come on, Justin. Do it for me. Let's move on. Here's what was the best, best rivalry of the 1990s. Uh, now, well, not not the best rivalry of the what is this deck? Well, they don't meet in the, the playoffs teens? like they used to. This yeah. is the teens? Well, they probably only meet every three years, period. Yeah. Well, they used to the meet odds? every year in the regular season, teens. too, in the old days. They would be. I mean, it was like the NFC title. Cowboys and Niners. Dallas and San Francisco every year. Basically. 2010s, I could call it. Maybe how about that? The 10s? The 10s. Okay. Kind of I do like aughts. I like that aughts caught on. Kind of big on the aughts. Anyway, well, you only have another 90 years to wait to get back into that <laughs> frame of mind. Well, I enjoyed it, and I've enjoyed looking back on it using that word. Uh, the Cowboys are 2-3 and three, uh, coming out of their bye, and the big news around the Cowboys is the continual, continued legal wrangling uh, involving Zeke Elliott and his six-game suspension. Um, it is now, once again, it's been put back on hold uh, this week it flip flop over the last two weeks where the the suspension suspension got put back into play and everyone started turning their attention to who's going to be Alfred Morris, Darren McFadden, blah, blah, blah. But now he's back in the lineup. I can't even begin to know or try to figure out. I don't even really want to uh, when the, when will be the next shoe to drop with this. But for the time being, Zeke's back in the lineup and that's big uh, for the Cowboys who need a win against the winless Niners. Sounds like he's safe for two more weeks, although there's been a report that a potential settlement could happen. So who knows? It's very unpredictable. Which makes sense because like, at a certain point, if the Cowboys really have aspirations about winning a Super Bowl, they have to be careful to not let this thing back into the back end of the season and potentially Well, right. If, it's, if it happens after he plays two more games and knocks him out for six weeks, that takes him into the middle of December. So, Can't do that. So no. you'd be in trouble. I mean, this is a game they should be able to win with anyone at running back. They can't blow this. And what was a little lost in their two-game losing streak before the break was their offense was back. It was all the way back. 
I mean, they scored practically every possession against against the Packers and the Rams. They scored over 30 points in both of those games. They controlled the ball. You know, it was a little different, more improvisational stuff from Dak Prescott. But the def- the offense looked great before they went on their bye. Yeah, and, and the 49ers have been sort of one of these anomalies with these super close games. I mean, it, it, no other team in the NFL, and I believe the history of NFL has done what they've done with these little two-point losses and stuff week after week. Maybe this is where that all comes crashing down. I will say, I think I thought C.J. Beathard, you know, the idea that you have to go in fresh and play an NFL game off the bench and do what he did, showed much more chemistry than Hoyer did at the beginning of that game. I thought that guys like Pierre Garçon, Aldrich Robinson kind of came to life when he came in there. I don't know, ultimately, once you get a tape on him, what we're going to have, but not a bad, not a bad player from what I saw. Seems like a poor man's Hoyer or cut. Well, I, after a watch, poor man's Hoyer is is not a good scenario. I mean, but, if, if CJ Beathard has Brian Hoyer's career, makes the same amount of money, starts the same amount of games, I think that would be a big win for CJ Beathard. I was not. I would too, just stick with him. That's all. I, there's no, I right. like it, it. They're clearly going to go out and find another quarterback, but maybe this is your long term. This backup. is an easy matchup for him, but I was not that impressed. I mean, he's a rookie quarterback. What do you expect? He was very lucky not to have a couple interceptions. And this defense, which we were kind of excited about, really doesn't have much juice right now. They lost Eric Armstead big now loss. for the season, which is a big loss. And um, Cowboys, if you're worth a damn, go win this game. I don't want to hear anything. Yeah. And I don't want a two-point win and give the Niners more misery. They've lost their last five games by 13 points combined. Go in, the, go in there and win by a couple scores and get back to 500. Sean Lee's back, so that's big for them. All right, let's move on. The Denver Broncos are coming off um, a sit-down, be-humble loss to the New York Giants on Sunday night uh, where they just look dreadful in every facet of the game. And now they're going to try to get back on track uh, with a trip here to Los Angeles to face the Chargers, who have finally figured out how to start winning uh, some close games, uh, Greg Rosenthal. Um, Any concerns now about... Let's start with Team Trev, Greg, because you are the conductor here. You're shoveling the colon. Any concerns about Team Trev? Let's start here. He's going to go through ups and downs. He's definitely been erratic with his decisions. He... Didn't seem very accurate. He wasn't accurate last week, and I, he just seemed a little scrambled. Maybe it was what the Giants were showing him defensively. I don't think you should have those sort of problems this week, but they're a limited offense in that I don't really trust them to pass protect, and they're not deep at wide receiver, and you lose uh, Emmanuel Sanders for this game. That's a that's a huge loss because it, it's just you, you're going to Benny Fowler and receivers that you really don't trust that much, so they got to be able to run the ball in this game. I mean, Joey Bosa... He's back all the way. He looked great last week. And Trevor Simeon is not the same guy when he's pressured. I mean, it's just that's where the mistakes start to come. And so I, you, can, you can run on San Diego, or excuse me, Los Angeles, if you're, if you're, if you're the, any opponent, basically, week after week. But I, which C.J. Anderson are we going to get? I feel like it, it's, a, it's a week-to-week proposition with him. This is, even though the Chargers have won these last two games and they've showed a little bit of rhythm on offense, I wouldn't say that I I went away from those two games thinking like, ooh, this is the Chargers team I expected to see. No. Like, you, yeah, you're seeing Hunter Henry's finally getting in the mix. Hunter Henry is so unbelievably good. He needs to, I think, be a focal point of this offense. What took them so long, though? That's a, that's weird coaching in my I, book. His, I mean, his ball skills and just his movement are incredible. But Mike Williams, their number one draft pick, was back. Keenan Allen, yeah, they still have the pieces on paper, Dan. It's not over for this Chargers team. I know you're, gonna, you're always going to say that because you love Phil Rivers. Um, first thing I want to see, this team's 0-3 at home. And you figure, oh, they're oh. due to get a home win, and this would be a really nice win. But this place is going to be filled with Broncos fans. I don't think it was a coincidence they started winning on the road. I think it's a tough spot yeah. them at, in the home games. So I kind of like the I, I kind of like the Chargers in this game. 
Um, maybe it's just because how bad the Broncos looked on Sunday, but um, at the same time, it, I wonder if it plays head games with them when that crowd's going to be roaring and everyone's going to be wearing orange in the stands. How does it not affect I mean, you? What on is some the level? nature of home of playing in your own stadium? Everything that's happening to them is against the nature of that. And I, I want to see what the Broncos' defense. I mean, the most shocking aspect of that Broncos loss was the fact that Orleans Darkwa is running all over them. Right. Wayne Gallman's running all over them. So they were the best run defense in the league before, you know, getting gashed by the Giants, which was shocking. Now you face Melvin Gordon, who's kind of getting it, getting it going. I mean, old uh, Spice Rack <laughs> was apologizing for his Melvin Gordon take a few weeks ago. I'm like, give it time. This guy's sixth in the league in yards from scrimmage. Well, and one last He's thing. Good player. We, again, we spent six months telling everyone the AFC West is by far the best division in football. <laughs> Nothing close. The Raiders are a mess. The Broncos are up and down. The Chargers are junk. Come on. <laughs> it's a big game. They get back in. They win this game and they're back in the mix. One last note. The Chargers aren't the... No one's struggling worse than the chart. Well, other than the Browns, I guess, Niners. At home, No, everyone's uh, having issues, it seems, because the league as a whole is 44 and 45 at home this season. I, I know you were mentioning that, that the baseball playoffs were showing such a different trend in terms of home field advantage, but I saw a stat last night that two years ago... I think home teams in the playoffs were 16 and 18. So I think this stuff just normal. Yeah. Baseball, you mean. Yeah, but that but that was your point that it was so different in baseball. Yeah, it would just happen that particular series. Yeah. My Yankees, who are one game away from the pennant, Greg, I don't know if you're paying attention to that. Probably not, but... Um, I mean, I'm aware of the final scores. I haven't been the you know watching it. <laughs> the home team has won the first um, five games of the ALCS, and the Yankees are 6-0 and overall at home. But anyway... I like the Yankees. Let's move on and talk about the Seattle Seahawks and the New York Giants. And the Seahawks are coming out of their bye. They're three and two. They're kind of a hard time team to figure out right now, but they do have uh, two straight wins going into their bye. The Giants, we just talked about it. They finally woke up and um, got a big win on the road in Denver. Uh, is it going to save their season, Mark? What do you think? Well, I have an announcement. Oh, you do? Yes, I am boycotting any discussion of the Seahawks-Giants game. Wow. Why? 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 I will tell you why. No, Greg. Because I do not respect the New York-based franchise choosing to playfully adopt the nickname Giants. I get it. For many, using the name Giants is nothing more than a tag attached to various football and baseball teams across the country. And yet, all the while, it completely ignores the culture of ancient Samaria which mingled not only with earth-roaming Ananuki giant beans, but also cunning extraterrestrial cultures to mesh Palladian, Assertion, and Elohim deep space DNA strains with human beings, forever altering our genetic coding and, in effect, making us prisoners on Earth and subject to a silent, always-watching Big Brother in the sky. At this point in time, we must come to grips with our disturbing ancient origins. Therefore, I am boycotting this New York versus Seattle game discussion in hopes that listeners will comprehend our new human reality. Is <laughs> is this what the Heat and Light podcast is? I'm not Dan's discussing anything listened. else during this segment. Oh, oh, you're completely out on the segment. Okay. Out. Um, all right, we'll come back to you then. Fair. Uh, Greg, your thoughts uh, about uh, the Seahawks. Let's start with right, them. It's hard to pivot off of that. Yeah. Because I'm wondering tough. what happened to the last six years of podcasts that we talked about. The- right. And then anybody who's wondering, oh, Mr. Flame, he doesn't have an active role in the show. How will Mark go down those roads? Mark will find those ways. He will find his ways down those dusty roads. Uh, as as uh, To answer your question about the Seahawks, I mean, this is a great 
matchup for them. I know no, there was no reason we just talked about that to believe that the Giants would be able to run the ball last week. There's no reason that to believe that they'll be able to run the ball this week against Seattle. They're getting healthy, I think, on defense, but it's slipped under the radar a little bit that Cliff Averill's been out for multiple weeks, and then he went on injured reserve with a neck injury. He's considering retirement. I mean, Cliff Averill big deal. might be the the number one most underrated Seahawk of this entire run. Like he could have won a Super Bowl MVP that year. Uh, he, Him and Bennett just kind of, to me, the guts of the, this defense. And Bennett, I don't feel like has been quite the same this year. And Averill's out for the year. So that, that's a pretty big time concern. It, I want, I'm a little, if I'm a Seahawks fan, I'm a little bit nervous that I missed that wide open window with the Giants where they were <laughs> falling over themselves and finding ways to lose games. Uh, and I know they still they don't have Odell Beckham, so they're not a real. I mean, they are missing ending. their entire receiver. They're core. missing. They still be that hard a time. Still a mess. But here's here's what I'm saying: the defense, uh, which has been a huge disappointment for most of the season, finally woke up in Denver. And if they have another good game, uh, the Seahawks don't travel too well, especially the last couple of years. It's fair. Would I be stunned if this game is 10-7, one way or the other, midway through the fourth quarter? Not even a little bit. So I, I don't think this is an easy win for the Seahawks by any stretch, and I would not be surprised at all if the Giants won. No, if they can get Olivier Vernon back, JPP finally had a big game. I mean, you would expect that this is a game Russell Wilson's going to have to do his like out-of-the-pocket crazy thing to, to make some plays. One final thing on the Giants is just that the receivers being gone is only going to highlight Evan Ingram more, but I didn't need the receivers to be gone to know that Evan Ingram is a, was a great pick and is going to be a really good giant for a long time. Seems like a home run right there. There you go. Uh, let's move on. Now we wel- welcome Mark Sessler back to the Around the NFL podcast. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing good. Very I well. thought it was a little rude to smoke a cigarette you know, while we were providing analysis. Well, it was my time. Hard. It was my personal time. Let's uh, now move on and talk about, ooh, this is one of my favorite games because I always like this matchup. The bad blood. Uh, there will be blood. Uh, I like all that stuff. And the Cincinnati Bungles <laughs> and the Pittsburgh Steelers, they don't like each other. And a lot of times everybody's like, Oh, these guys, these two teams, they don't like each other. These teams literally don't like each other. In fact, in the past few years, there's no matchup that elicits more personal foul penalties, roughing the passer, late hits, you know, Mike Munchak ripping a guy's dreads out, uh, concussions, (laughs) running into tunnels. Bengals screaming at their television. (laughs) Why did you do that, Marvin Lewis? God. Marvin Lewis is an idiot. What, What was that, Mark? Well, Marvin Lewis is an idiot. Oh, that well, seems a little strong. That's hard. Yeah, in our new media environment, not sure that I want to be tagged to that comment, but I did say it. Anyway, I love this game because I really the steel the the Cincinnati Bengals have a great great opportunity here to go into Pittsburgh and out of nowhere go from zero and three to three and three, and then be if things break the right way, Mark, a half game out in the NFC North before Halloween, despite starting zero and three. This is a great opportunity. It is, and I don't think they're going to get it done. I I am so impressed with Pittsburgh's defense, and everyone talks about Ryan Shazier, and they should, but I don't know if he's going to play because I don't think he practiced, but Vince Williams, their other inside linebacker, what a... That is a star duo right there. Guys like Mike Hilton, week after week, keeps showing up on tape. They've got a lot. Finally, they've got depth on defense, and they're punishing. You saw it against Kansas City, and I just don't like this scenario for Andy Dalton one bit. And it, to me, it starts for them with Cam Hayward and Stephon Tua. I mean, they were in Alex Smith's face literally on the first snap and then on the last snap. And those two guys who they've paid a lot of money to are – 
to me, kind of the reason this defense is so good that guys a little bit towards the end of, not towards the end of their career, but right in their primes are playing the very best football they've ever played. I also looked at what Le'Veon Bell did last week. I know he's had bigger games numbers-wise, but I don't know if I've ever seen him run mm. as beautifully as he did last week. He had a major run called back. Well, the most incredible run of the day was called back by penalty, but he is entirely rounded into shape again. I don't know if there was and some some rustiness early on. It's gone. Martavis Bryant, who reportedly asked for a trade, then said that never happened. Uh, but either way, he has not been a big part of this offense, which I think has surprised a lot of people. Um, Juju Smith-Schuster. He gets more snaps every He's week. getting more yeah. snaps, and he's been involved with them on a week-to-week basis. I'm looking for Big Ben to continue to kind of come out from that, that. What does he call it? He's got the old Cowboys got a couple shingles left, something like that. What did he say? It was about that, you know, humor. This old Cowboys got a couple <laughs> shingles left. I think that was a Terry Bradshaw ad. Uh, <laughs> I think he'll play well, is what I'm going to say. And I think Roethlisberger um, is not done, and I think he's going to play really well. I don't think Cincinnati gets this done. Let's pick this wow. game. So I, I do think the Steelers will uh, take care of business. Yeah, I'm with you, Pittsburgh. I think this is a tougher game for them. I mean, the, the Bengals are ranked third in football outsiders on defense. And Le'Veon Bell played played great last week, but I think Ben Roethlisberger really didn't do anything different than what he's done all year. I kind of like the Bengals to get back in this mm-hmm. division. Um, and one final note, Mike Mitchell, who had a uh, hit Alex Smith from behind, he contended he was pushed uh, on a low hit on Alex Smith. This is when vi- going viral goes wrong. Um, I sent out a tweet during that game, like a slow motion replay that ended up being retweeted um, 3,500 times got six 6,000 likes. Humble brag. Which, yeah, I would say, like, oh, cool. Way to be part of the conversation, bro. But it turned out <laughs> I got caught in the middle of this, like, fierce war between Bengals fans and Steelers fans that went on to this day all week. My mentions oh, no. are dead. And then it, it started with everyone. I sent it out, and I had an opinion when I put, that's about as dirty as it gets, Mike Mitchell. Initially, everyone agreed with me. And then the story started to evolve with Mitchell saying I was pushed. And then all the all the Pittsburgh fans started like burying me for being like a piece of garbage. <laughs> I love and it. and right. like you're some journalist. It's like, bro, I just tweeted out a video with an opinion, <laughs> not journal work. Anyway, so a little a lesson. He did get fined, by the way. The it's league been a decided, tough week for you, Dan. We we recognize that. The, the league uh, decided that he was dirty. Yeah, so play. anyone anyone arguing that forty eight thousand dollar fine. Give me a break. He's lucky he didn't get suspended. Hey, and check out his sizzle reel of past infractions. This guy is not the cleanest player. Uh, Let's move on to Sunday Night Football. The rematch of Super Bowl 51, Mark Sessler. And uh, the Patriots are the home team. And the Falcons are going into this game. You wonder where their heads are at after an outright collapse in the second half at home against the Dolphins, losing that game 20-17 to after going into the half at 17 nothing. Are the Patriots catching the Falcons in a moment of personal crisis? No, oh, I mean, that's, that seems like we're going a little far there. But it's like so depressing, I think, for Falcons fans. Like some Super Bowl rematches, if you're, if you're the loser and you're flying high the next season and you can go in and drop a bomb on the team that knocked you out in the Super Bowl. This Falcons team is coming off one of the Something's most off. disgusting losses. 17 nothing against the Dolphins, and the offense gets manhandled in the second half. 
I don't know, you let Jay Cutler beat you? I mean, it's not a must win. That's a bit strong. But if they lose this game, it's been a really rough 14 well, days for them. off. And how do you put last year? They say last year is behind you. But no, last, not. Year, last year's team was defined by losing fourth quarter leads. It wasn't just the Super Bowl. They lost a 17-point fourth quarter lead to the Chargers. They lost four fourth quarter leads. They lost a halftime lead at home this year to the Bills. So I think they got to they got to prove themselves just to get the questions away. This is such a big game for them. The Patriots could lose this game, and people will be all fired up in Boston about it. But ultimately, I don't know if it matters that much in the long run. Totally and, different for Atlanta. And it wouldn't it wouldn't shock me if Matt Ryan – like I kind of put the over-under in terms of Falcons points in this game at 37. Hmm. Like I, I'm expecting Matt Ryan to go up and down the field on this defense. Have we really seen that? From the Falcons this year? No, but we've seen it from basically every Patriots opponent. Right. Well, that's certainly fair. Um, but I do I do definitely put stock into some of the things that are going on probably in the heads of the Falcons. Just because that second half against the Dolphins, I couldn't get over it watching that game. The sacks, the penalties, the special teams miscues, the interception to end it. I a, mean, a holding call to take you out of field goal. It was a yeah. lot of the Super Bowl. It was it was like an instant replay. So, like, you never want to have a loss like that. But to have that loss and then the next game is it th- th- arguably the worst loss in NFL history, certainly the lo- worst loss in franchise history. You just wonder where their headspace is at. I really, really... Uh, don't like the Patriots personally. I might have shared that on this podcast, but I really, really think uh, this will be a good Sunday night for the Throne of Ease. This is tough for you. I mean, Atlanta, I, to, you know, from a higher up thing, they played the Bills and Dolphins, two very good defenses. But now you're on the road three straight games, starting with New England, then the Jets, the Panthers, then the Cowboys at home, and then Seattle on the road. It's a rough month for Atlanta. If you don't take this thing, I'm not sure what happens to them a month from now. Their defense needs to get off the field, and this is a tough, you know, a tough offense to do it against. You know, Tom Brady. It, it's almost like we take it for granted right now how well he's playing. He, now that Rodgers is out, he's he's the best quarterback in the league. He's he's 40, and as someone who's watched all of his games, I think he's played as well since the start of last season through now than he than he did at any point. I never quite bought into the greatest of all time arguments until kind of the end of his career because his career is so different than anyone else's. Well, that's how he separated. Himself. Right, that the back yeah. half has been better than the the front half. Rob Gronkowski is not as explosive as he used to be. He doesn't get as open, but he's still just such a beast to deal with. He doesn't need to be open. And Wes's boy, Deion Lewis, I think if he's a, well, he's probably not available in fantasy leagues at this point, but I think he's run really well and he's going to be a big factor for the Patriots the rest of the season. Let's uh, pick this game. I've already gone out and said I think the Patriots will win by double digits. What are your thoughts? I think Atlanta is going to take this game. Really? Yep. I'm not. I, 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 of all the issues we just mentioned are there, but a little guy named Marvin Hall, I think, is going to have a big play. <laughs> wow, another one, yep. Marvin Hall. Uh, I've never. Let's, let's I don't know see. if you know this, Dan, but I have never picked against the Patriots on this podcast. I know you or haven't. anywhere else. Very smart. And I want to say one last thing. And I know Josh McCown threw for 300 yards last week. The Patriots had a bad first half. They really did put it together for the most part in the second half. And they completely neutralized the the Jets' run game the week before against the Bucs. Well, they looked good against the Bucs on defense. Uh, So, I mean, if you take out six of their last eight quarters, I feel like the Patriots' defense has shown signs of life. Uh, So we'll see if that continues. If it does, the Falcons could be in deep trouble. Uh, Finally, Monday Night Football, the Washington Redskins travel to Philadelphia to face the Eagles. Big NFC East showdown. Greg, you know I love NFC East football. Reminds me of my uh, late grandfather, Poppy, sitting on the big brown couch with his root beer, (laughs) watching the Giants, yelling at Phil Simms. 
Oh, and those he, were the good old days. So he, he, his, the rest of his family is AFC East fans. So come on. This is the other side of the family. I, I, yeah, there's no sense to get too deep into it. All right. But uh, Poppy loved the Giants. Rest in peace. Uh, he would have loved to watch this game because it's a slobber knocker. Yeah, and they played a really entertaining game in week one. Like the Dolphins and Jets, they're getting their season series out of the way early. We're getting another uh, game where John Gruden like co- gets very quiet whenever his brother makes a big time. Always awkward. You got to enjoy that. Coaching mistake. And uh, I think the Eagles have to feel very good about the timing of this game. Jonathan Allen, the Redskins' first-round draft pick, is now out for the season. Josh Norman is very uncertain to play in this game. We don't know as we're taping this. They might be without Breeland. And Torrey Smith got deep against Washington a couple times, wide open, and Wentz missed them both times last uh, time they played. I don't think he could keep missing them. And I think the secondary is ready and ripe to be taken apart. I mean, it's, it's not something that I expected but the Eagles feel like the favorites in the NFC right now. Certainly in this division. I would say in the division. To me, they're just another team in the NFC. I know they're five and one, and they're and I like. I think they're going to have staying power, and I think they'll have a home playoff game. But I, I wouldn't put them up ahead of any of those NFC South teams or the Seahawks or anything like that. Or I, even I mean, it's if, a watered down NFC at this point. If if the Cowboys do what they should um, this week in San Francisco, and the Redskins go to Philly and get a win. NFC East is wide open. So I'm not I think that Philly has certainly shown themselves so far to be the most balanced team, but we know how this stuff can shift as the season progresses. I mean, this is a massive game for the Redskins because you would fall what, two and a half games back and you'll have already gotten swept in terms of the season series. You got Jay Gruden this week talking about Wentz saying he thinks Wentz is already one of the top quarterbacks in the league, quite frankly. I don't know how he got better so fast. I've never seen a, a quarterback progress at that sort of rate. Well, and, and, he's, and I don't know how he got to Philadelphia. It's a little shot at your Browns. Well, okay. Like I need, you know, okay, thank you. <laughs> is it, you it, is it, um, cause I'm just curious, Mark, is it really frustrating when they have these primetime showcases and guys like Gruden can't stop? That was Jay Gruden, about, by the way, not John Gruden. That was Jay. And the, yes, it is. But I, I would but, imagine, but I'd say be. at this point, and Wentz is the guy, honestly, if I, it, I, Deshaun Watson was never on my radar pre-draft because we're not draft guys necessarily, but Wentz was, and I really thought, thought that Wentz, passing on Wentz felt like passing on Big Ben and, it's all playing out to a, if you're a Browns fan to an annoying script, but they deserve that criticism listen, right now. Listen to Washington's schedule, by the way. I, I was just going to mention they're it's in crazy. a brutal slog yep. starting at Philly in primetime. That stuff home to Dallas is going to be a battle at Seattle, home to Minnesota, and at New Orleans, which all of a sudden looks like a very tough game. And then you come home and face the uh, the Giants, which won't even be a gimme. So. This this is there are no gimmies on that schedule and this is a big game for them. They've overachieved on defense and and now that they're missing a few players, I don't know if they're going to keep doing it. And the and the real football heads that that study the film are very impressed with how Carson Wentz has been changing the plays and getting the team set up for a second year player. I think that's what Jay Gruden might be talking about there that he's showing some of the ability of a veteran quarterback to get the team in the right plays and all that. That's a good sign. And three straight games for the Eagles at home. So you got the Redskins, San Francisco, I, and Denver. They really, are well set up right I, now. I think this division could be over by mid-November. So you are all in on the Eagles. Yeah, but that... Fly, the, Eagles, fly. My predictor machine is like basically been broken yeah. for three years. Put that, so. in your, uh, put that in your podcast cell. Sessler, <laughs> NFC East over by November. Um, 
Okay. Mid-November. I bought myself a little bit of time. That'll be the title of today's podcast. (laughs) Uh, That is it for the uh, Thursday night edition of the Around the NFL podcast. We will return on Sunday night with our flagship show, uh, often imitated, never duplicated, uh, where we go over every single Sunday game, including our friends in England. Oh, Twickenham Stadium. The Twick is going to be rocking. Later start this time for this for this London game, which is a good idea. Nice. Very good. So uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. Make sure you check out our NFL Pick'em show this weekend. Check your local listings. And also, haven't told asked that you guys this in a while, but we could use the iTunes ratings, uh, uh, five-star ratings and reviews. Uh, and maybe in a future show, we'll, we'll read some of those reviews, have some fun with it. So thank you uh, in advance if you can help us out with that. And... Uh, Let's go on. Oh, and the subreddit, the Around the NFL podcast subreddit. Check it out. Dan Hans is signing off for Quiet Storm, uh, the old boss, Fulton. Lindsay Fulton behind the glass. No, that's not going to work. <laughs> Till Sunday. Lindsay Fulton. <laughs> you go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.